Welcome to Business Breakthroughs, where business walls aren't barriers, but stepping stones. With hands-on advice, real-life examples, and stories that ignite, our coaches are here to help you shatter those walls. At the forefront guiding every breakthrough is your host, Neil DiPentino. Hey there, it's Neil DiPentino with Business Breakthroughs. So glad you could be with us today. I've got a really great show for you, a great guest. Uh, our guest is an author. He's written a number of articles, and he's a small business coach. He's to, coming to us all the way from uh, just outside of Detroit, Commerce Township, Michigan. And he is the SB Dream Coach, Ian Watts. Thank you so much for being with us. Welcome to the show. Neil, thank you so much for the opportunity. I am tremendously excited to be here. Well, fantastic. Uh, so you, I, I would imagine that, you know, you guys are getting ready for the big freeze up there or maybe it's already <laughs> happening. Uh, I've been up there several times. I think I told you my daughter used to live up there. And, right. uh, and, and so we've been through so many, many freezes up there and, uh, <laughs> you know, we're down in Tennessee. So, you know, but, uh, so we, but, but here's the thing being from Tennessee, we don't get, you know, the weather that you get up there. And, and like, so we're a little bit jealous. You know, which might sound crazy, yeah. crazy to you. No, no, I appreciate it. What's interesting is just a, uh, I don't know, maybe a week or so ago, uh, I found out that my daughter has been mocking me because I love the fall time. But in general, I love the changing of the seasons uh, because it just represents life in so many different aspects. Right. So fall, sometimes it could be wet, rainy and gloomy. Uh, but you can also have the beautiful colors. So perspective makes a difference. I was just having a conversation with my attorney uh, in Silicon Valley. So I'm launching uh, outside of what we'll discuss. I'm launching a tech venture, my first one, actually. And uh, he was making fun uh, as he looked out his window. He had a heavenly glow because it was 75 degrees and it was in the 30s here. Uh, but he actually mentioned the same thing that he was jealous. He said it gets boring. He said that, you know, we only have sunshine and and uh, we don't have a changing of the seasons. You don't really see much of a difference. So I, I have come as an adult, I have come to appreciate changing of seasons. Well, you know, you down here, people don't appreciate that. That I mean, <laughs> not really. Um, you know, it gets to be 50 degrees. And I, well, actually, one of my guys is back in the other room there. It's like 50 degrees outside. And he is literally wearing a parka. I was like, look under the desk to see if he had muckalucks on. He didn't. But uh, anyway, like we could talk about the weather forever, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Hey, so, Ian, uh, yeah, you've got a really great uh, career going. You've got a great uh, background. I've looked a little bit at your LinkedIn. Uh, page to kind of get some information uh, before we had this, uh, before we got on the podcast and everything. But, you know, let's hear from the horse's mouth. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do? Sure. Uh, I suppose it would be maybe helpful to share why I do what I do. And to do that, let me take you back a little bit. So I was born and raised on the east side of Detroit. And in many ways, my story is a familiar one to a lot of boys and girls that grew up in urban America. Not all, but many. Um, my father was in prison. And my mother, brother, and I uh, were poor. We lived on welfare. We lived on less than $580 per month. So as you can imagine, I wanted to get as far and as fast away from that reality as possible. And I saw entrepreneurship as a way out. Um, and not only did I see entrepreneurship as a way out, I decided that I was going to become a millionaire by 30. Um, I achieved my goal of becoming a millionaire. I did it by the age of 26. But in 2006, the bottom fell completely and miserably out of my first business. And it was because I had gotten good at doing deals, 
I didn't understand that there was a bold and distinct difference between building a sustainable and scalable business versus doing deals. Mm -hmm. Uh, But all along during my journey, I was looking for mentors, in particular mentors in the African-American community. And uh, it just for one reason or another, it didn't work out. Uh, So it's against that backdrop that I discovered my why, which is to build businesses to bless the world. And I wanted to be what I didn't see. So that's the why of why I began uh, coaching. And now I've had the privilege in some capacity. I've been a coach for almost two decades because I bought my first I started my first business at 19. And um, so in some capacity, I've been coaching and training for almost two decades. Um, I have now had the privilege of working with clients in almost all 50 states. And in many countries around the world, just being able to be what I didn't see, right? Helping them to avoid a lot of the heartache and heartbreak that I suffered along the way. Uh, so that's a little bit about my background and what I'm doing now. Fantastic. You know, it's uh, a couple of things I want to kind of uh, uh, talk about. Number one is, you know, starting an, uh, as an entrepreneur at such an early age is just incredible to me. It's like, so you obviously had the entrepreneurial spirit from a very um, young age. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fantastic. And then the other thing that uh, caught my ear and I actually caught my eye when I was looking at your uh, bio was that you want to build your building businesses that bless the world. Tell me a little bit about that and what that looks like. So for me, um, I in many ways see business as my ministry as um, so rather than a church pulpit, my ministry is a boardroom podium. Right. So uh, it's not just about the success. It is how can I use success to be a blessing to others? So in as much as I work with uh, coaches and I'm sorry, in as much as I work with my clients to be able to help them build great products and great services, I also help them to be a blessing to their people. Because think about it. You spend so many a third of your working day uh, working with people and the amount of impact that you can have on them is tremendous. So it's not just impacting your customers, clients, or patients. It's also being able to impact the people that you uh, work with. So leadership development is at the core of what I do, something that makes my heart pant. I get excited about helping people to achieve their small business goals and dreams. And I really get excited about helping people to do what's in their own best interest. And that often will extend beyond. So businesses that I built, I'm asking people, talk to me about your dreams, your passion, your goals. And I will use the context of the business that we're in that I have access to, right? To create uh, an opportunity for growth and development, which means you very well may get developed and transition somewhere else, but I wanna make sure I've left an impact on those people who I work with. And I and I, I work with my clients for those who are heart led, I wanna make sure that they do the same thing. It's not just about making money. It's not just about having great products and services. It's about the impact that you can have. Absolutely. And it sounds like you've had a great impact on a lot of people. And that's wonderful. The thing that really also catches my caught my ear and uh, from what you were saying, things that uh, that I think is, is really cool is that being an entrepreneur from a very young age. OK. And uh, developing this um, um, your processes and also developing your kind of your mantra, I guess you would call it, uh, sure. uh, you know, uh, y- you you've kind of walked the walk. You're not just talking the talk. It's not like some of these people that we see that we're going to make you rich in three minutes while you're you know, showering. Yeah, it doesn't you know. quite work like that. It, <laughs> it, it often takes 10 years or more to become an overnight success. So Right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what I love? I, I just heard this quote recently. It says, um, I become successful overnight with an S, plural, not an overnight yeah, yeah. success. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I like that. Absolutely. I think we were talking a little bit about our business. I mean, we are, we can call and consider ourselves a little bit of a startup, but we're in our 13th year, you know? Uh-huh. And uh, so it's, it's not like it's, it's, it's like completely brand new, you know, but yeah. it's, I love the mindset though. I, yeah. I think that mindset is key. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you got to keep redefining yourself and, and you got to keep moving forward because if you come stagnant, you're going to, you're going to, I mean, this world moves so fast anymore. That, I mean, you're going to get passed by so quickly. I see that myself being, you know, I'm 66. Absolutely. Okay. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm proud to be 66, but uh, the, you know, the things I did before I could still do them. I could probably do them better than I did before. Um, but I Absolutely. do it a lot slower, Absolutely. <laughs> a lot slower. You, you know, the thing to your point is what's really interesting and, and what a lot of, uh, a lot of my clients eventually come to appreciate is the fact that you always have to be adding massive value. You have to become obsessive about continually adding value to your customers, clients, or patients, because the reality is their needs and their desires, they change. And I don't know if this statistic is still true, but I've, I, um, one that I've quoted frequently in my webinars and in my training is that it's six times more expensive to acquire a new customer, client, or patient than sell more to an existing one. But mm-hmm. if your goal is not to just sell more to your clients, if it is servicing them at the highest level, you, you you think about it differently. If you frame it like that, you're always looking to add value. You're always trying to find out and anticipate what the needs are. And in that way, you really become indispensable. Right. So you're creating a, a, a customer experience, basically. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and th- th- there's a slightly different or fiduciary responsibility, I think, when you think about someone as a client versus a customer. Customer mm-hmm. is transactional. But if you want to move beyond, even in transactional businesses, there's a way for you to move beyond transa- uh, transactions to uh, not just help with retention, but again, service at the highest level. Mm-hmm. What do you think might be most needed or desirable for your people? So it makes a difference. Right. So in essence, you know, when we're doing business, uh, whether it's online, a brick and mortar, no matter what it is, we're providing a service of some sort to the end user to the customers or whatever. And what you're doing is what I'm hearing as a coach is you are preaching the fact that in order for you to build a successful business, you have to have a sort service oriented um, mindset, you know, and that's how, that's how you can build a business uh, and, and, and blessings at the same time. You, I think you really, really have to, I think one of the major mistakes that so many entrepreneurs run into is they fall in love with their widget, their thing their product and or their service, right? But when you fall in love with your client, your widget could could potentially not be relevant anymore. But when you've fallen in love with your customer, client, or patient, right, they may not want and or need that widget anymore, but you still have a relationship. And when they know that it's your goal to add value, you still have an opportunity to not just do well yourself, but, but to be able to add massive value to them. So I agree with you. Yeah. You know, it's- Don't fall in love with the widget. Absolutely. I mean, you're right. I mean, look at this. Look at just like in the, the things that have changed in the last just few years. I mean, when I started in business many, many years ago, many, many years ago, um, <laughs> we didn't have cell phones. I mean, we still had to stop and use a pay phone. Uh, right. You know, we, we had uh, we didn't even have fax machines when I started in this business. Oh, That's wow. Crazy. That's a lie. I know. huh? We thought wow. that what we had when that came around. Let me tell you, buddy. Wow. <laughs> but, that's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, so but we made things work. We figured out how it was. But then, you know, so you know, I, I don't think there's a whole lot that's new under the sun in nope. terms of 
of, you know, maybe um, what we do or how we, but it, how we do it, there's lots of new stuff under us. Right. We got to figure out what that technology is. We need to figure it out how to, we have to learn how to use it. And, and that's what keeps us moving forward. And that's important. I agree. I completely agree. You know, um, one of the major challenges that I see that so many entrepreneurs have is it's really how they frame what what they're supposed to be doing. And here's what I mean by that. I love what Michael uh, Gerber says, small business expert of E-Myth Revisited. Uh, he mm -hmm. says that most people are not entrepreneurs. They're technicians suffering from an entrepreneurial seizure, which I love um, because again, to the point that I mentioned earlier, they fall in love with the widget. But I think if people really embrace the fact that no matter what you sell, product and or service or combination of the two, whether it's B2B or B2C, the real business that you're in is the marketing business by constantly, consistently trying to learn exactly what it is that your prospective customers or existing customers, clients or patients need so that you can add massive value. And I would take that a step further. Uh, one of the things that I help people do is um, we help them understand how to become good direct response marketers, because in a day and age where people are increasingly distracted and there's no signs of slowing, you have to make sure that when you have someone's attention, that you give them an opportunity to take it further because you may not have another opportunity. So mm -hmm. we, we we have to be careful about um, and, and some of the branding guys may be mad at me, but I'll say I, I believe that branding should be an outflow of good direct response marketing. But we have to make sure that we give people an opportunity to take it further because you'll never know if you have that opportunity again. So uh, having a giant sign and we have to make sure we model the right people. So if you see a billboard sign that says just do it and that's all that it says as a small business owner, that's probably not what you should be doing. Right. No, no. we've got to be able to help people take it further, because if not, you do them a disservice and go to somebody else who couldn't service them at the highest level that that you can. But just embracing the fact that you're in the marketing business and employing direct response marketing. That's one of the single biggest challenges that I see that so many people have. Uh, whether early stage, I work with clients from startups all the way to eight figures plus, well into the eight figures, right? And the big challenge that many of them have when they consider growth, that they haven't they haven't embraced the idea that they're in the marketing business um, mm -hmm. and they don't have a systematic approach that's going to get them the results that they want. One of the things that I love, oh, the father of total quality management, W. Edwards Deming, he said, I'm going to bias this a little bit. He said that a system is perfectly designed to get its current results, right? Now, the, the, I may have botched it just a little bit, but the, the heart behind that is you need to have a systematic approach to being able to attract attention, convert clients, customers, clients, or patients, retain customers, clients, or patients, add more value to customers, clients, or patients, get referrals from customers, clients, or patients. That, that kind of thing is, it seems that they lose it. Like, and obviously the challenges that you run into uh, are, the, are similar, uh, as you grow, but a lot of people start focusing internally and rightfully so when you start wrestling with larger teams and how do I lead people and how do I have them communicate and they forget the blocking and tackling, right? So mm -hmm. I'll stop there because I've shared quite a bit. So let me stop. No, don't stop. I mean, that's really awesome. That's I, I totally agree with you. I, I remember my very first client was a, um, a French, a pizza franchise guy. Okay. And one day, and I don't know out of the blue, we were having a conversation and he said, you know, he said, I, I, I'm not a, I, I'm not a pizza uh, restaurant owner. And I'm like, you're not, what are you? And he says, I'm a marketer. I I'm love like, it. Man absolutely got it. Yeah. Man yeah. My heart. So what yeah. I say this, just to make this hopefully more helpful and instructive to your, your audiences, 
not only are you in the marketing business because the money is in the marketing, but you're also in the system building business because the sustainability and scalability is in the systems. So right. I help my clients with marketing systems, and then I help them with innovation. And we've talked about it. I haven't used that word, but we've talked about it. Constantly adding massive value, learning how to create new ways to bring value to your customer, clients, or patients. If we can do those three things well, then we're going to have successful business. Now, the nuances change, but the fundamentals, if we understand we're in the marketing business and use direct response marketing, and um, uh, we also understand that in order to sustain rapid growth or any growth, we have to have systems. And then if we have a constant methodology of innovation, that's when businesses can grow and sustain and be around for another 20 or 30 years, like like uh, like so many seasoned entrepreneurs are. And I love it. Yeah, I love that, too. That's awesome. So now you've said you said uh, a couple of seconds ago that you work with uh, startups all the way to eight figure businesses and everything. So sure. let's let's talk a little bit about your process. Let's say, for instance, you're engaging a new customer, maybe a startup and everything. What is your process? How do you work with them to get them uh, rolling with your service? Sure. So one of the first things we do is a pre-coaching survey. So basically, where are you? Right. I know where you want to go. So think about the little map when you're in the mall. Right. Uh, you, you you know the store that you want to go to. But to get to that store, you have to find that you are here. Dot. So we go through just an assessment. Right. We go through the you are here. Dot. And then I find out uh, what are the constraints that you have. So how much time can you and your team dedicate toward any coaching deliverables that my team will give? And what are your financial constraints? Because far be it for me to give you deliverables that take 20 hours per week and you only have seven hours. And that's going to cost and be an investment of, you know, three thousand dollars and you may only have a thousand dollars to contribute toward it. I'm just plucking these numbers out of the air. But in general, sure, it's the you are here dot. What are your constraints? And then what's on fire? Like, what are your major burning desires right now? What outcomes are you looking to achieve? And because we know business is concentric circles. So you may be having this issue over here, but it really resonates or it starts. The origination of it is right here. So. We we go through that process and then we have a hybrid model. Uh, we have a hybrid both coaching and consulting model. So we meet with our clients on a regular basis. And within five business days, you receive a written set of deliverables so that we can remove the analysis paralysis. So based upon wherever you are, whether it's marketing or sales or operations or finance uh, or technology uh, or lean methodology for innovation, we determine what the priority needs to be. And we give you assignments based upon your constraints. So it's where do you want to go? Where are you now? Let's help build a bridge and being mindful of the unique challenges that your specific business is facing. So not rocket science, just uh, not not over promising, not selling wolf tickets, just doing the work. But here's what's interesting. And this could take us until this time tomorrow. The single greatest challenge that I find is not the skill. Here's what I found out. The skill is what we teach, the blocking and tackling, the marketing, the sales, the operations, all of that wonderful stuff, the leadership, the technology, the financial. Um, that's important, but that's only the 20%. The 80% is psychology and neurobiology. Therein lies the rub, how to help our people do what's in their own best interest. Because uh, one of the things that used to frustrate me to no end, I mentioned to you that I live vicariously through the dreams of my clients. So it's not just about the money. I want the outcome for you. But the thing that's really tough is that I would have clients that were paying us every single month and they get a written set of deliverables and they have the time, 
They say they have a strong enough why. They have the money. They're investing it every single month, but they're not completing all of it. Maybe they complete 60 or 70 percent of it, barring out any outside of emergency. So I, I couldn't figure out for the life of me why that was. And that's a mental and emotional state issue. That is helping people to understand how important the psychology and neurobiology is. That's why I added a psychiatrist to our coaching, because if I can't help you do what's in your own best interest, you'll never get the outcomes. Mm-hmm. So that's the one component that I've added to uh, probably about eight or nine years ago, added to the coaching is just to make sure that people can ensure that they know how to manage their mental and emotional states. They can establish healthy habits, get rid of bad habits, all of that, um, that's the 80% of success. Um, and I used to think it was a 20%, right? It's important, yeah. but that's not ultimately important. Right. Yeah, it's amazing. I probably should get in contact with your psychiatrist. I, um, uh, <laughs> I, 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 All of I, us. I, I, yeah, well, you know, here's the thing. And it, 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 it's, it's, it's frustrating to me as, uh, uh, as a, I guess I'm, I, I, I've never heard this term until recently, but a, a fractional CMO, I guess, to some extent. I sure. work with clients and I take it once I coach, but I also take it one step further where I actually do a lot of things for them. I, you know, I, sure. I, you know, so I'm doing the media buying. I'm doing a lot of those type of things. Yeah, a lot of dumb but, services. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we'll work on a project. And uh, so I take it to, to the end. And then I hand it off to them and I come back to find out what's going on only to find out that, you know, the information or whatever I did is still sitting on my client's desk a month later, two months later. And it's like, so I, you know, it's gotta be frustrating to them that their business isn't growing, but it's even more frustrating to me because I know why, you know, and it's, how do you communicate to them that the problem is you, Uh, the leader, (laughs) the leader, it's us. Uh, That's the truth. And that's the hard reality. And I realized that in order to have uh, to in order to drastically enhance the ability to get help my clients get the results, I had to be able to focus on that as well. It is uh, if not, you're only going to have a small percentage of clients that get the outcomes that you know they can get if they actually follow through. And, and mm-hmm. it's not just with early stage companies. Um, it does not matter because people are people. We all have our unique challenges. Some of us are better than others. But the reality is we all need help doing what's in our own best interest. So that's one of the unique things about what we offer. Uh, So you can get some group coaching, join the group coaching calls uh, in between your one on one sessions with any of uh, my coaches and I to make sure that you can get help working through your unique challenges that are keeping you from doing what you should be. (laughs) Right. Right. Very good. Now, you said that I, I want to throw this at you real quickly. Um, uh, some live examples, maybe an example of like how you have coached somebody. They had a problem, a situation, you helped them through it and what the outcome was. Can you give us a, maybe an example real quick? Sure, sure. So I, I think one of the most fun and hopefully instructive examples is uh, with a medical aesthetics client of mine. So he sells uh, non-invasive skin rejuvenation and um, body sculpting services. And one of the unique challenges that, and it was a great challenge, but they wanted to have massive growth, right? And they were having a challenge recruiting. So they asked me, hey, can you come in and build an HR department? But really it turned out to be uh, a glorified super recruiting department. And because of the areas that he was building clinics across the country, the traditional sources of of, uh, talent like the Indies or the Zip Recruiters or even LinkedIn, that just was not working. Because I was recruiting medical estheticians 
and nurses, privacy is dead. You can purchase their information, emails and phone numbers. So uh, emails, phone numbers, and also their physical addresses. So I put together, I proposed and I put together a multi-step multimedia campaign whereby we weren't just passively waiting for people to reach out on the job boards. But the thing that was most exciting is this. We were sending uh, what's called, you'll appreciate this, shock and awe packages to people that were within, within the radius that we wanted to recruit in. Um, we would send, um, I would say marketing pieces, not job descriptions. As just an aside, I'll come right back here. Um, mm -hmm. When you're recruiting, you're really marketing. Yes, the job description can be used for legalese and you could be used, uh, it could be used in a court of law. So you have to be careful, but you are marketing. A lot of the stuff that I see really sucks. So we do some really non-traditional things there. In any event, back to the story. So we weren't just sending our marketing pieces to try to recruit the nurses that were within the radius that we wanted in different parts of the country. Uh, we sent bulky and dimensional mail to make sure it, one, it didn't get thrown away. Because if I put bulky mail, right, where things are in the inside of the envelope, where you can't balance things on top, the likelihood of it being open is much greater. We would put envelopes that were slightly crooked because crooked envelopes outperform straight envelopes. We would write, handwrite everything in weird colors. And then the headlines read, we're going nuts trying to reach you. And we would literally include a small bag of pistachios inside of these letters. <laughs> I love it. I right. Love it. Now, that was the first one. And we also would follow up via email to say, hey, we just sent such and such. So it was multimedia, multi-step. In addition to that, if they didn't respond to the first crazy mailing that we sent, we sent another letter that had shredded pieces of paper inside of a plastic bag. And the headline was, we're all torn up. Last week, we sent this letter and you didn't respond. Well, doing using unusual yet highly effective strategies like that, I was able to help my client grow from six clinics to 61 clinics nationwide oh, wow. in less than years with a third of the usual staffing. That's um, incredible. But if we would have just been doing the tradition, you can't grow if you don't have everything rises and falls based on leadership. So unless you had people to run the clinics, you can't grow. So uh, that was probably one of the most fun examples, but I guess what's most instructive is, uh, and this is something direct response marketing teaches you how to do, is you have to think differently. We have mm -hmm. to get people's attention. We, we've all heard that you appreciate this, Ada, attention, interest, desire, call to action. The very first thing we do, I don't care how well crafted the body of a message is, whether it's television or email, um, or it doesn't really matter what the media is. If you don't get somebody's attention, if you don't have a strong enough headline, you can forget it. So uh, that was one of the fun examples. We got some really great results. And hopefully it's somewhat instructive of thinking differently, using a multi-step multimedia approach uh, to be able to achieve the outcomes. That's incredible. I mean, good old fashioned guerrilla marketing. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's awesome. Look, we are actually we're we're way past uh, the end. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's wow, awesome. Wow. I could go on with you forever. This is great. This has been some really great stuff, Ian. Uh, awesome. Any final thoughts you want to leave our audience with? Well, I have a gift for your audience. I am doing because I mentioned I work with a lot of startups, and uh, it's often difficult for many of them to afford the services. Uh, but whether you're a startup or you're looking for rapid revenue growth, we have a really cool web webinar that's coming up. So if I could share about that, uh, that would be great. Please. Yeah, absolutely. OK, so we have a, re uh, a webinar coming up, Three Secrets to Rapid Business Growth. And in that, we're going to talk about the single greatest thing you need to do every single day to all but guarantee your success. We're going to talk about the three unusual secrets that will account for rapid revenue growth. And we're going to talk about a quick and inexpensive way 
to launch your products and services, new products and services, to determine if your uh, market wants it and finds it irresistible by we, we remove the risk. So uh, if anybody would like to take advantage of that, you go to sbdreamcoach.com forward slash rapid. So S is in Sam, B is in boy, dreamcoach.com forward slash uh, rapid. So this is, uh, you know, this has been a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. As you stated, I too could go on until this time tomorrow. So thank you so much for reaching out. Thank oh. you for the opportunity to share. And hopefully I've added some value to, uh, to your audience. 100%. And all of the information on the webinar and all the information on how to get in contact with Ian will be on our show notes. Awesome. Uh, so you'll be able to find that as well. That's our show for today. We want to thank you all for joining us. Uh, Business Breakthroughs is sponsored by Titan Media Works. Check us out on TitanMediaWorks.com. And that's Works, W-O-R-X. Also, check out our other great hosts on the uh, Small Delivered Network. I'm sorry, Small Business Delivered Network at SmallBusinessDelivered.com. Until next time, thanks a lot. Have a great day. Bye-bye. This show is produced by Titan Media Works and is a part of the Small Business Delivered Podcast Network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.